Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the film critic for the website Quipster.net. I invite you to check out all of my written work there at that website, stemming all the way back to 1996. Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be looking at a film that is in semi-wide release in the United States. It's called Jane Got a Gun. It's a Western primarily. It does have drama and action elements to it. It's rated R for violence and some language, and it runs an hour and 38 minutes. The star is Natalie Portman, with supporting roles going to Joel Edgerton, Ewan McGregor, Noah Emmerich, and Boyd Holbrook. The director is Gavin O'Connor, and the screenplay is by Brian Duffield, Anthony Tambakis, and Joel Edgerton. If you've been following Hollywood trades, you'll know that Jane Got a Gun was a troubled production almost from the start. It's finally seeing the light of the theater screens here in 2016, even though filming had originally begun back in early 2013. I suppose it's to the credit of the filmmakers that they were able to deliver a serviceable, even if it's uneven, a Western entry. Between contract squabbles, the original director, Lynn Ramsey, walked away from the project early in the shooting phase. There were difficulties nailing down the cast. You had Michael Fassbender, Jude Law, and Bradley Cooper once attached to play lead roles. There were challenges in the distribution because Relativity Media uh, went bankrupt, and it forced several release dates to be pushed forward. This is a film that had once looked like it might not get made at all at various points throughout the production, but it all came together in the end. We got a new director uh, just within 25 hours of Lynn Ramsey walking away with Gavin O'Connor, and they replaced some of those key cast members. The cinematographer who also walked at the time that Lynn Ramsey walked was replaced, and the Weinstein Company ended up picking up the dead project and distributing it, even if it means... You know, the dead of winter and the limited selection of theaters, at least it's coming out and you can enjoy it right now. The film is primarily set in the New Mexico Territory. It's 1871. The titular Jane is shocked to find that her husband, Bill Hammond, who's played by Noah Emmerich, he's riding home on a horse one day after being away for a long time, and he stumbles into the house and he's got bullets in his back. Now, it turns out that a deadly gang of former outlaw fur traders known as the Bishop Boys, who are run by the vicious John Bishop, played by Ewan McGregor, they've been after both Jane and Bill for some time because of past betrayals. And Bill informs Jane to get prepared because they are coming and maybe she should actually get moving. After dropping off their young daughter with a friend, Jane tries to enlist the services of a former lover named Dan Frost, who's a, also a bit of a gunslinger. She wants him to provide some protection for them, but they've been separated and estranged since the Civil War drove Jane to have to fend for herself. She didn't know if Dan was ever going to make it back from the conflict alive and kind of had to move on, and we learn the circumstances of how that happens throughout the course of the movie. However, Dan has his own reasons to distrust Jane, and also to want Bill out of the picture, and that causes some tension and loyalties when Dan accepts, for a fee, that protection, but only because perhaps he's trying to get his beloved Jane back. Jane Got a Gun was put together by veteran director Gavin O'Connor. He does good work for some several spells of the film. He crafts a nice-looking Western here. There's lots of interesting gray areas among the characters, and there's a lot of really good choice stuff here in between all of the stuff that is just kind of standard, but it's also not a very confident genre piece. 
Sometimes it feels like O'Connor, given that he is a last-minute replacement, he really didn't have time to draw upon inspiration of great Westerns of yesteryear for that that authentic look and feel of the genre. So it occasionally feels a bit ham-fisted. There's some injection of more modern-day thriller elements in the film, and those parts don't really jibe well with the nature of the more subdued and contemplative storyline that is there for its build-up. Now, the storytelling elements are nicely handled. There's flashbacks that continue to paint in the details of the overall story. It allows us in the audience to see the main characters in a different light with each successive piece of that puzzle that gets put into place. It's just a shame that the execution comes off as timid, maybe a little bit unsure, in this constantly revised genre known as the Westerns. practically necessitates some sort of visionary bravado to get across to today's audiences because Westerns are generally considered passe, despite the fact that so many of them have been made in the recent months. Though she is small in frame and slight in stature, Natalie Portman, who also shares a producer credit on the picture... She manages to give a very credible performance as Jane, especially in her conflicted emotional state toward herself, her values, and the two men in her life. Now, it's mostly a subdued characterization, although there is a moment in which Jane is racked with emotional pain that feels incredibly real that's right in the middle of this film. And it reminds us that Natalie Portman is an actress that one should never underestimate. She's often forgotten, at least especially of late, uh, because she hasn't been in very many high-profile films, at least not since the Star Wars prequels, in which most people disregarded her performance in those, along with pretty much everybody else. Her co-star in those prequels, uh, Ewan McGregor, seems a bit out of sorts. He has His hair is all dyed black. He's kind of this mustache-twirling bad guy named Bishop. He seems a little too well-manicured and deliberately stylized, He doesn't really mix well with the kind of rough and grungy look of the rest of the ensemble, and it doesn't really help that John Bishop is a bit ill-defined as a character altogether, despite getting some adequate screen time to understand his motivations. Joel Edgerton, who coincidentally also appeared in those Star Wars prequels, he actually contributed to the screenplay in one of the many rewrites of the script. He was originally intended to play John Bishop, the Ewan McGregor character, but ended up flip-flopping depending on who was also attached to the film. He does give a finely nuanced performance as Dan, who's kind of, he has to play this guy who's racked with feelings of betrayal and jealousy. He has this lingering love for Jane. It's to Edgerton's credit that he actually always manages to feel like a kind of a wild card to the film. He always appears to be a good guy, but the story upends just what is good and right throughout the course of the movie. So as we're given more details on the relationships at hand, we begin to question just what is the right thing to do as the plot unfolds. Now, there is a score to the film that kicks in during the action beats, but Jane Got a Gun is its unusually quiet and it's very low-lit Western. It's very, very low-key, and that may make those viewers who are looking for more action and thrills in the aftermath of such potent Western genre excursions like The Hateful Eight and Bone Tomahawk and The Revenant that came out just within the last couple of months it feels far more subdued than those films. And it's definitely a much less ambitious film than those in terms of its overall scope. It delves more into the backstory and the emotional elements of the characters. Some people may see the film a lot more along the lines of Slow West, especially in its climax. Coincidentally, Slow West was a Western that Michael Fassbender, who was originally supposed to be in this film, ended up making 
Uh, I think that expectations of big excitement for a big Western here should be kept at bay if you're going to attempt to see this movie. It does have a well-executed shootout at the end, and I, I did find elements of that quite gripping. But I think that it does stumble when it just has it has the finish line in sight and just trips up right at the end, and that makes it a bit of a disappointment because this is a film that had built up a deliberate and cultivated tempo throughout, and then it suffers because it overplays its hand through two pat resolutions of the violent conflict, and there's this epilogue that feels like there were a lot of ideas of how they should end the film, and they didn't know which way to go, so they ended up putting kind of all of them in there, and it should have been more resonant emotionally, given that we were given enough time to learn these characters and their motivations. In the end, Jane Got a Gun feels more like a rough draft than a fully realized movie, probably due to the myriad of production issues that I've mentioned earlier, but at least it's a promising first draft, and that is just enough for me to give it a recommendation for those people who like westerns. And if you're a fan of Natalie Portman, I'm going to give Jane Got a Gun three stars. Three stars out of four means I think that it is a film that I would recommend with reservations, meaning you have to really have a strong connection to either this, the western genre or the main stars in order to attempt it. Otherwise, I think it's not really worth going out of your way for, unless you just want to see something different once it appears on Netflix or some other streaming service down the road. Three stars goes to Jane Got a Gun. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. Click the subscribe button if you do, and you'll continue to get all of my film reviews throughout the year. Also, if you happen to be on iTunes and you want to support the show, I encourage you to leave a review because word of mouth is the best way that you can show your support and let other people know that this is a show that you consider worth listening to. Until next time, just remember, $10 and two hours of your time are terrible things to waste on bad cinema, so I hope that you enjoy the reviews that you hear here on the Quifter Film Review Podcast. <laughs>